Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are continuing our series on priesthood. This is part four. And as a reminder, we are called to priesthood. And just because we are all called to priesthood does not mean that we have all answered that call. Let's talk about prayers today. Priests in the Old and the New Testament, they offer prayers to God. We speak our prayers to God and it's an offering to God. And prayers are an act of of worship. And God actually instructs us to pray, telling us not if we pray, but when we pray. And in Psalms 50, verse 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Amen. So call upon God. How do we do that? Prayers. I want to talk about the prayer that Jesus used so that we can follow that format. Jesus didn't mean that specific prayer, which we're about to read or mention here in a second, but rather the format of that prayer, meaning Jesus wanted us to pray in a specific manner. I am, of course, referring to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. It's a very familiar prayer, and we won't be reading it all, but in verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore pray. Okay, so in the same way, not pray the same prayer. Jesus was only using this as an illustration. This is how you pray, Jesus is saying, in this manner, in this format. All right. So the prayer that many will say, and they will just stop is the one that says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done that in earth as it is in heaven. Right. We all know that prayer and many recite it repeatedly. Right. But we're not meant to duplicate that prayer, but rather the format of that prayer. So do you remember in the temple, we recently discussed that there were two in the temple. There was a Pharisee and a tax collector, and I'm referring to the story in Luke. This is important because if we know how Jesus wants us to pray, then we will know how to pray. Amen. We will know how to be pleasing to him in our prayers that we offer him. We will know what to think and how to live as well, because our life is also worship to God. But more on that later. So Jesus did not say, this is what you will pray, okay? Jesus said, pray in this manner. Pray like this, but not just to repeat. So again, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? God, you are holy. We're admiring God. It's admonition. You start your prayer by adoring God. Not thank you, right? It's not wrong to thank God. It's only about God and who he is, all right? It's about adoring God. The prayer, right? The format that Jesus presents us, it says, thy kingdom come. What's that? That's the kingdom of God. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. Jesus wants us to pray in this manner so that what heaven is will equal what is on earth. Heaven and earth will be equal, right? Meaning, may the people on earth be heavenly. May there be holiness. Pray that all believe in God and become born again. That is why we pray for increase in wisdom and strength and knowledge so that all can learn new techniques to get the gospel in all places. 
we're praying, may the worship on earth be the same as in heaven because right now it's different. Pray that the worship in heaven is the same as earth so that all are holy. How? Well, people will decide to serve Jesus. That is the will of God. We want earth and heaven to be equal. That earth may emulate heaven. Okay? Today, people just talk about God to make it look like that they're doing something by just talking and talking and talking to God. It's all talk and no action. You don't become servants by talking. You become a servant from producing results. Remember, we've learned previously on this podcast about producing produce, producing fruits, right? Today, the people feel that they have a personal relationship with God because they can pray directly to God. To that, I say demons can also do that. Demons can speak in tongues. They can make themselves look godly, but demons cannot witness unto Jesus. Followers of Jesus can witness unto Jesus because you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Pharisees gather in the temple and they talk about God. The disciples also went to pray, but not all gathered in the temple, right? The disciples were often out in the world. They were working in the kingdom. They were preaching. They were really producing. This pleases God. Here we see that the prayer that Jesus told us to pray in this manner, give us today our daily bread. What does that mean? Not all eat bread, some eat bread, some eat rice. This is not bread like natural food. It's a prayer for needs and spiritual life, okay? It is saying, help me, Lord, that I can live a life for you because I'm weak. This is a need for Jesus every day. There is a need for Jesus every day. Spiritually, we need God every single day of our life. No one should ever feel confident in self. We need Jesus. This prayer also mentions forgive us our debts. So not literally our debt. It means forgive what we have done wrong. This is the manner to pray as a humble person. That is what Jesus is teaching us. Pray in humility before God. Lead us not to temptation. What does that mean? So God will help you not to fall. Temptation could be anything that displeases God. So God wants us to ask him for help so we do not fall. So what does this mean? Well, one, it means we need to accept that we're weak people, okay? That's part of being humble. The Pharisee had a displeasing prayer to God. His prayer was, thank you, God, that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Why can't we just go to God and just bring ourselves? There's no need to drag others into our prayer like this Pharisee did. We should focus on God, not get distracted by others like the tax collector. The tax collector's prayer was very, woe is me. He knew he wasn't worthy. The tax collector didn't even look up at God because he didn't feel worthy. That was acceptable to God. Priesthood requires a humble heart. And we cannot be humble apart from the Spirit of the Lord. And Jesus is consistent from the beginning to the end. If you live like the Pharisee, you see if God will follow you. You see if God will show up in your life and how he does that. But if you live like the tax collector, you will experience God with you. So I want to kick things off with an encouragement to focus on God. And your prayers will be focused on God. Amen? Continuing on, we must understand that priesthood begins inside of us. Priests minister to man, and we are first to be brought to God, then we can bring God to others. Okay? We cannot bring others to God until we bring ourselves to God first. We recently read, as I mentioned, about the Pharisee and the tax collector. 
Again, to summarize, there were different intents in their prayer. God did not find both acceptable. Are our prayers acceptable to God? Have you ever paused to think about your prayers specifically? Not all prayers are acceptable, okay? And Luke supports this. Both prayers aimed to be acceptable to God. The Pharisee wanted to be acceptable, and the tax collector wanted to be acceptable. One objective of our prayers must be for acceptance by God, because we offer prayers. Remember, it's an offering. For the purpose of this study, I want you to imagine yourself praying as the Pharisee or the tax collector. You're in the temple. You're wanting to reach God. But how do you know if your prayer is accepted by God? Well, one, we must be a priest. A true priest is accepted by God. We offer God our best, not just stories. Again, some people talk and talk, but the prayer is just not accepted by God. We have to remember it's an offering, not a time to chat away about anything and everything. People think a relationship with God and being acceptable to God is being able to talk to God about anything and everything and I'm open and yes, God sees all those things. But there's also lowering the standard of God in many of those moments. And we should be cautious when we pray because we are the offerer. The prayer is the offering. So if I am the offerer, my condition is just as important as the prayer. So if someone has a great and awesome, amazing offering, but they as the offerer are not acceptable, the whole thing is not acceptable. The condition of our body matters, and we're going to talk more about this. What you do to your body impacts your offering. Your body must have the Holy Spirit. Our body is a sacrifice to offer to God. Not just prayers, but our whole self. So, what do you do with your body? What are you involved with? How are you using your body? Where do you bring your body? Meaning, who do you associate with? Of course, we must all be in the world, but not of the world. We all can't just be looking to connect with just believers, but to evangelize others. We are called to bring all to Jesus, not religion. We need to bring all to salvation, not religion. Jesus is the only way to salvation. If you are saved by grace through faith, you're an evangelist. You will behave like an evangelist. The Holy Spirit makes you an evangelist. Without the Holy Spirit, you only have religion. And I'll say that again. Without the Holy Spirit, you only have religion. You don't just look for others like you. You'll reach out to the whole world for Christ. God said the gospel will be preached to all the world. Then what? Then the end comes. You must do this, and I must do this, so we must do it together. If you are saved, you evangelize. And I don't want you to get confused by the fivefold ministry. All are called to preach the gospel, not just the evangelists. It goes for the prophets, the apostles, etc. It's not about leading by example either. That's for the earthly workplace when you're paid. Ministry doesn't have payment. Your payment is in heaven. It's not about being good either. You must be godly. You can have a job in the church and get paid, but that doesn't mean that is your ministry. That doesn't mean that you are evangelizing others. Now, if you're with unbelievers, it's okay as long as you're not sinning with them, but you are called to bring them to Christ. All right, you may be rejected or persecuted. You may lose all your friends, even family, but it's okay. If it's for Christ's sake, it's more than okay. Why? Because your payment is in heaven. So 
We must be an acceptable offering. We must live how God wants. Are you full-time serving God? Or are you full-time operating under your capacity to serve God? Yes, of course, many of us have full-time jobs on this earth. And Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. But we were not created to just work a job on earth. God created us to be conformed into his likeness. And still, when we have this mindset that we need to full-time serve God, people want to say, you spend too much time in church and this is way too much commitment to God. Well, I want to share with you that the person who is spending full-time with God is the person seeing miracles in their own life. Do you see miracles in your life? Real miracles. And I'm not talking about, I got approved for the loan. Real, angelic, divine miracles. Today, probably not. Because it's possible that you don't take his work seriously. There's many like this. Everyone is called to priesthood, but not everyone is a priest. We must have the Holy Spirit to answer that call. To be an offering, an acceptable offering for that, we must please God, not man. And that includes mom and dad. Right? Our families might tell us one thing, but God says another thing, and we must please God. We must please God with our body. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read that in a second, but I just want to reiterate our prayers are offerings, right? But not just our prayers, our body is an offering. Think of it like an Amazon delivery man. It's not just about the condition of the package you receive, but it's about the service provided by the deliverer. This life is not a religious game. It needs to be taken seriously, okay? Verse 1 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So it says earthly house. That's our body. Remember, our body is formed with clay and it returns back to dust when we die. We come from the ground and we return to the ground, from dust to dust. We need to be clothed with a different body. This verse also mentions this tent is destroyed. This is our body again. It's true. Just drive by a cemetery filled with tombs. Our body dies. It mentions eternal to heavens. This enforces that even if our body dies, our spirit lives on. Okay, it doesn't mean all of our spirits go to heaven, right? But our spirit lives on forever. Each spirit gets an incorruptible body that is destined to spend forever in hell or heaven. Verse 2, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. What does it mean by groan? These are sighs. Earnestly sighing, which is intense sighing. Why? Because there is a desire to be in the eternal body. People want clothed with the Holy Spirit. These are the people who are burdened by the condition, the abominations of this world. Today, if your heart's not loaded by the burdens of God, you're still in religion. You are. You're still in religion. If you don't have the burdens of God on your heart, you're still in religion and you're needing to get out of it. If you remain in religion, you may be a prophet. It's true. Jesus will say, I never knew you. Like in Matthew 7, remember, these people were prophesying. They were prophets in the name of Jesus. And they were still rejected. Maybe instead, if those people said, Lord, I was preaching the gospel to the world, I was evangelizing, Jesus may have had a different answer for them. The power of the Holy Spirit turns you into a witness for Jesus. And today, people sigh at their natural problems. 
People are so consumed with self. They embrace their own depression and their desire to commit suicide. They never sigh for others. They never sigh at the lukewarm condition of others. When we sigh, it's for Jesus and the world. Verse 3, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. We've studied this. Naked means without righteousness. That's shameful. Verse 4, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. This verse mentions we, for we who are in this tent. Who's that? Who's we? Well, Paul is saying, meaning our life, if we're like Paul. Paul's saying we, meaning me and you. We are those who are like Paul. Paul was an apostle. He was an evangelist. Paul wanted others to be saved. We means you. Paul is saying you who are like me. We. So it's not for all, but those who live for Christ. Many think they are part of that we, but God sees where you actually stand. This verse mentions mortality and that's death. Being mortal and spiritual is hard. It's a hard life. It's difficult to be spiritual in this world. Having a burden to save others and evangelize while in this body is hard. Not everyone in church is a follower of Jesus. This is not a condemnation, but I'm just speaking generally. This is what Paul experienced. Why would a person be so focused on natural life rather than doing the work of God requiring a spiritual burden? What's simple? Worries of this world. It's okay to be successful in life, but you must be both successful in this life and in the kingdom business of God. It's better to be proficient in the things of God than man's work. You should excel in God to be the best for God. So Paul is saying being a spiritual mortal is hard on this earth. Our body limits us. Why? We get sick and tired, right? You can't just sigh for God to take your life. You must sigh and serve him. Seriously, with fear and trembling. Verse 5, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So who is he? Well, that's Jesus. He prepared a house for us. Jesus himself is going to come back to take us if we are pleasing to him. I'm referring to the rapture in the clouds, not earth, not the second coming. Jesus isn't going to touch the earth at first. The rapture is first. Okay? First it's the rapture, then it's the second coming when Jesus' feet touch Mount Olives. During the rapture, he's going to give us our new habitation. This verse also mentioned the word spirit. Who is this spirit? You'll notice it's a capital S. It's the Holy Spirit. Paul says we, right? Paul was included to those like Paul. Ultimately, those who are like Jesus, because Paul also said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So we are those who are imitating Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a guarantee for what? Eternal life with Jesus. It's the seal of our guarantee. If he lives in you, that is a guarantee. And today, no one should be desiring to just be touched by the Holy Spirit, but indwelled by him. Not just a feeling, but moving in real power because you are possessed by him. This is still a possession. Possession doesn't have to be evil. Man can be possessed by the Holy Spirit instead. Amen? You could also think of it as the absence of the guarantee means no seal of salvation. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee? You don't have salvation. Is that you? Do you really have the Holy Spirit? Verse 6. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
for we walk by faith, not by sight. That was verses 6 and 7. So having the Holy Spirit will mean your confidence is in Christ. The Holy Spirit will mean that you are walking by faith, not sight. You don't say, I have faith that I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit. That's wrong. You must be sure. You will know it, and you won't even need faith to know if he lives in you. Think of it like this. It's like putting sugar in your coffee. Do you have to say, I have faith that my sugar made my coffee sweet? No, you're going to be sure because you know that sugar is inside that coffee. The Holy Spirit will possess and make you confident in your heavenly habitation. You will be confident in the clothes you wear when you die because you are possessed by the Holy Spirit, not just touched, but possessed. Okay? And to clarify, both a demon can possess a mortal and the Holy Spirit can possess a mortal. To clarify, both a demon-possessed mortal or person and a Holy Spirit-possessed mortal is crazy. Demons will harm you. But if you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, you will speak the truth and you will be brought up in God. You will move in power that make the demons flee. Verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. It's our preference to be present with the Lord and not in this body. Paul is saying, I would rather be dead and present with you, Lord. Why? It's hard. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Verse 9, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So in this body or dead, we must please God. In this body or not, we must be acceptable to God. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judge seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So there's judgment for the things we do in our body. So what did you do in your body? What are you currently doing? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to start doing? You know, living a life for Christ is not about just stopping things to sin less. It's about starting a real ministry in Christ. Amen? So in closing, if you have the best offering, but their offerer is not the best, is it acceptable? No. We serve a first-class God. Our prayers should be first-class, and our bodies should be first-class. What if you're the best singer? Is the song offered still accepted if the singer is not acceptable? No. The singer doesn't present themselves as acceptable with their body, so none of it is acceptable. Maybe to man. Man could still appreciate the talent, but God does not accept it. And back to prayers. It's the same. Again, not all are acceptable. The offerer must also be acceptable. The prayer must be serious and focused on God, praying in the manner that he teaches. To be a priest to man, you must first be reconciled to God. So I ask you, have you been reconciled to God? And if so, are you on fire for him? Or do others seem more on fire than you? Are you evangelizing? Are you bringing others to Christ? Or are you biting your tongue in those situations and just letting people talk terribly about your God? How are you pivoting conversations to be about Jesus? These are the questions I'd like to leave you with today. And all of this is shared with the love of the Lord. When you serve God, you truly love souls and you want all to change. It's difficult to convince a person that they are deceived. But if it means that they will turn their lives around and be reconciled with God, that they will come to him in repentance, asking for forgiveness, 
and they will truly serve him, moving forward in him, fearing and trembling, truly having faith in him and showing that their works by faith in him. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.